Welcome to the Aging Project Off Season. I'm Shelley Craft, your host and fellow ager on the same journey as you. I believe it's important to mix things up in life, and that belief extends to this podcast. So, in our very first off season, expect to hear stories from wonderful people who've caught our attention. We want to share real stories that inspire us and get us thinking about our own aging well journey. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Aging Project community. We're thrilled you have joined us once again. Lise Carlo and Sarah Wills are our guests today. You might know these ladies as the dynamic MC duo, those two girls, or maybe you've listened to their podcast, 40, or perhaps you've read their book, 40 Favours the Brave. You might even know them from all three. After hearing their story, I can tell you these ladies are indeed brave, wise, and such good fun. Please welcome Lise and Sarah. I was thinking today... Is it just the 35 to 55 age group, and I guess that is us Gen Xs, um, that actually worry about being this age? I know that my my mum did when she was around, um, you know, her mid-40s. It was all about having lost um, who she really is. Do I go back into the workforce after having, you know, staying at home and having kids? I don't really feel like me. I don't actually know who me is anymore. Like I don't think anyone younger than 35 actually cares what we think and feel, and I don't think anyone over 55 actually cares what we in this middle-age group think and feel. We've made this rod for our own back. We're the only ones that are out there justifying (laughs) our newfound freedoms and our newfound youth and we can do whatever we like. I think, you know, the oldest, they work that out. They're like, yeah, just enjoy it. And the younger ones are like, we don't watch what you watch. We don't listen to what you listen to. We don't watch the television that you're interested in. But we don't even know who you are. They're just doing their own thing. Would that be fair to say? I think that's so true. It's certainly what Sarah and I felt and which was, you know, the genesis of our podcast 40, this real reckoning coming into 39 and really approaching the next birthday was this idea of confusion a little bit because we certainly didn't feel middle-aged. I don't think we presented ourselves to the world as middle-aged, yet you're sort of there's a tug of war going on internally of I'm not young and I'm so pleased I'm not young anymore, but at the same time I don't feel uh, I don't feel middle-aged. So I think for us it was a real exploration of what does this decade mean? How are other women navigating it? And and what are some options? We want to see options well, of no different one had ever women. Asked us. No one had ever asked women mm. in their in their forty. And I'm not just saying that through our podcast. I'm saying generationally, yes. society mm. as a whole, that wasn't a, a conversation area because it everything has been geared to youth. And I think there is a. I think it's happening across the world. I think people are, are women are standing up going, hey, I've still got things that I, I want to say. I've got things that I want to do. I've got things that I'm not happy with that I can speak out about. And I, and we feel our generation of women is doing our 40s and 50s very differently to our mothers. I mean, let's face it, most of them, the large majority who, let's say they had children, they were having children in their early 20s. So by the time they were 40, they may have well been on their way to empty nesting. 
there there were no conversations around perimenopause or menopause. It was just something that happened, whereas, my God, that's a whole new world of topic that's been opened up. I think there are things like the careers that women had back in the day. Again, generally speaking, they weren't necessarily all high-pressure jobs. They were clock on, clock off. Although I shouldn't say that. My mother's a teacher and she would kill me if I if I <laughs> made up that off. was a clock off never job. No, off. no. But I think having those conversations and opening it up has been really, um, really interesting to see the feedback. And I think that's why 40 and things like the Aging Project and other initiatives are being embraced because women want to hear it. It's predominantly women, but they want to hear it and we all have the most money to spend, let's face it. Well, maybe not all of us. I mean, I suppose there are packers who have more money and Murdoch's and what <laughs> yes. have you. But, you know, from an advertising perspective, it's ridiculous to overlook this this group, this age group in society. But we're also the ones in charge now, don't you feel? Yeah. I think women in their mid, and I take this right up to your 60s, 65s until, until people retire, women are running the show. Yeah. Every show. We're the, we're the decision makers and in a, in a really great way. And that's one, one of the things that I found really empowering when you, when, because there's, we all have that part of ourselves that struggles with the aging process. You know, if you, if you hold on too tightly to the idea of young you, that can be a really painful departure. But if you start to focus on, hold on, what are the great things that are ahead? Well, A, I'm running the show, as you just said, Shelley. <laughs> B, I make really good decisions because I know exactly what counts for me, for my family, for my friends, what have you. So I think it's it's shifting the focus and we love being part of this conversation where it, it's helping or, or workshopping the reframe together and mm-hmm. saying, okay, you're a bit worried about your jowls. Who cares? Let's focus on. Just (laughs) smile more and they lift up higher. There are are other amazing things that start coming into your arsenal at this age and we're only 42 and we're looking forward to what's coming up. And there might be some horrible things coming up. That's that's it. This is a really rollercoaster decade. Like by the time you're in in your 40s, shit's starting to get real. Like people around you, marriages may be breaking Mm -hmm. down. Um, people may be getting sick. You might be losing people you love. You might be dealing with young kids and aging parents and be well and truly in that sandwich generation. Stuff you don't have to deal with, the vast majority of us anyway, in our 20s and 30s. So it is a real reckoning Mm. of sorts where you've got to look at what's working for you and what isn't working for you and make the changes now so that you don't get to the pointy end of life and look back and think, oh, I wish I'd spoken up about that or I wish I'd changed that or I wish I'd tried a new career or, you know, I think I think that's where we sit mm. in the whole area. Hmm. Well, the two of you decided to do that. I'll just read a little quote from your book here, 40 Favours the Brave, and you've got some wonderful stories from a lot of fabulous women in here who were in their late 30s and were looking, you know, to that transition into 40, heaven forbid. You said you shared a clear recognition of being creatively unfulfilled as individuals whose talents and skills had slowly faded into the background. And then you go on to say we clung to each other like live overboard sailors who would a pillar boy before deciding to rescue ourselves. Now that does sound very Thelma and Louise. 
to me, but <laughs> the, the fact that you sort of leapt into something new, you both found each other, but that gave you, was it the power or the confidence or was it actually the, the strength and recognition to move into this whole new area that you have created with those two girls? Well, we were in our mid-30s when we met. And, yeah, at the time our careers were a little bit on pause as, you know, a, a lot of families have to make a decision. And in our respective homes we were sort of staying home with the children, careers on, on ice for a little bit, mm-hmm. on maternity leave, what have you. So, yeah, I think when we say in that quote, Shelley, that, uh, we had we had passions and, and and talents that were a little bit you know untouched that that definitely was a very real feeling for both of us and then when i met sarah and it was just this instant chemistry and connection and it sort of just breathed life back into oh remember that lise remember that lise who loved public speaking or remember that Lise who loved making silly video anything it all just sort of came back and I think the the feeling was mutual yeah um good I'm glad you said that uh, sorry stick <laughs> you do have a fork in her thigh right now yeah, don't you? yeah. <laughs> and it was you just and I think that's one of the things one of the lessons from 40 that we've heard and it's been like you're allowed to recalibrate your dreams because I mean same as same as Lee's you know she she'd had this amazing career overseas modeling and doing tv commercials and just absorbing so much of life on set and you were a fabulous writer and then kids came along and you know I'd studied theater at uni and then got into journalism and sort of had thinking I'd go down this whole like media route and then ended up settling into PR which was fine I enjoyed it and I got the corporate office job and the corporate comms role and what have you but it wasn't really me so when there's these just a version, a of, version yourself. of yourself Ooh, and we both saw that yeah and so yeah. we both saw that in each other and then when Lee said you know what what do you think about us doing MC work together I've had a daydream that we're both holding microphones on a stage like I didn't even I was sleep deprived I'm just going to say (laughs) I was still sleep deprived I'm not a daydreamy kind of person but um this is what this woman does to me she she makes me daydream (laughs) was it MCing or was it like an ABBA cover band or something the two of you (laughs) on stage holding microphones no it was definitely it was definitely MCing and so then I think because there were two of us to circle back to your original question there was a confidence in two Hmm. we were both each other's biggest fan and we would build each other up Just a quick YMTI break in today's show ladies have you visited youmusttryit.com yet if not why not? We have designed this store for us. We've done the research to support your aging well journey from Lotox makeup, skincare, perfume, supplements, and much, much more. Oh, and we have some lovely gift packs ready to go too for you and your loved ones just in time for Christmas. After listening to today's episode, go and check us out, youmusttryit.com. All right, now it's back to the show. This is great advice for people who are a little bit scared to go out on their own. Like surely there's a bestie out there that is really interested in the same things that you like. And if you're too scared to jump off the boat without that life raft of your best friend on hand, maybe you could start a business together. Because if you're too Mm. scared to do it on your own, as I said, there is strength in numbers and you two women are proof that that is a great power. 
That is your yeah. superpower. Well, it's worked out quite well. Yeah, I think that I think initially there's a vulnerability in disclosing to someone what your passions are. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that can be a bit of a, a scary place sometimes when you say to someone, this is my dream, I want to do X, Y, Z. If, if Sarah and I hadn't have been brutally honest with one another about what those big ideas were, I don't think we would have given any of them a crack. So mm-hmm. I agree with what you're saying, even if the other person, even if you don't become a duo, but maybe you're able to share that with another person and say, hey, this is what I want to try. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that other person will tell you in return, well, I'm really good at this. So I could help you in this part of the business. You just never know. And I think that's something we've always been really yeah. upfront with one another and just never held back even mm. the silliest of notions or ideas. I just don't, it's just not worth holding that inside. I feel really peaceful knowing that I tell Sarah all kinds of things that she really never asks to know, but <laughs> I have a clear conscience. I feel great. So it wasn't as scary for the two of you because you had each other to lean on through the process. I mean, yes and no. I mean, it was scary. We certainly had people around us who were like, you're doing what? You're going to, like, especially for for me at that stage, I had a stable corporate job with a good income and they were like, oh, you can't give that away. Like that's, that's stability. Stability is so important. And I just knew I'd always regret it if I didn't give, if I didn't give this a go. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to be practical with it all as well. You've got to keep, keep your day job until your side hustle becomes financially viable and, and you decide what financially viable means. At the time for me, I, I, um, my agreement with my husband was once those two girls income and projected equals what my part-time corporate salary was after returning from mat leave, then I would make the leap and that only took a few months a few months so but you've got to have those systems in place you can't run in blindly because I think that's when you're more likely to perhaps crash and burn I think Mm -hmm. you've you've still got to maintain a level of sensibility around it and Lee's was on board with everything too Mm -hmm. and we were very open about that whole that whole process Mm. And you ran into this again with beautiful Angela Mollard who gave you a great quote which is about deciding not sliding. As you say, we often just slide into a lot of things in our lives, whether that be friendships or relationships or or groups. But at this age, mm. whatever that is, we now get to decide what we want to do rather than just slide on in. Yeah, we loved that from Angela. We we reference those words of hers all the time because again, it's sort of focusing on the positives and realizing that you have an active choice in this 2.0 of your life, this is the time where you have the gumption to make those big calls. And it doesn't have to be changing careers or tree changes. It doesn't have to be the big stuff. It, it could, could be, be deciding to stop drinking alcohol. Could be that. The number of women who are like, you know what, alcohol's not serving me anymore. I'm just going to be sober curious or sober. Boom, done. That act alone can change people's lives. It could be, you know, starting a new hobby on your own because you've always wanted to do that, as you were saying, the musical theatre. I think there are little choices we we have agency in and I think we, particularly women our age, we're very 
it's very easy for us to not tap into that. Where, where really you absolutely can. It doesn't matter how much you earn, where you live. You can make little, little steps every day, hopefully. Sarah, you went through the the death of your mother-in-law um, mm-hmm. and that obviously had a very profound impact on you. Mm. As I said, we're, we're all heading towards that time. It's just inevitable. The older we get, we are going to start experiencing death more and more. We had a beautiful mm. conversation recently with a gorgeous woman by the name of Tara Castle who lost mm. her husband when he was 46. Uh, mm. She had two teenage kids and her life was turned upside down. But I actually worked with Tara. Oh, beautiful mm. woman. There you go. And was so, yeah. so giving and so... Um, open and honest for all of us. We learned about death admin and we learned about mm-hmm. um, oh, just just things that we really have to start thinking about now. Yeah. But also she still sees the beauty in every day. She's still looking for the enjoyment in life. And I think every time we do lose someone around us, that becomes more and more clear. It becomes more and more profound. Um, Did the death of of Anne, your mother-in-law, really give you a good kick up the bum? Yeah, it did. It did because Anne, like so many old ladies of that generation, had put everyone first before themselves. So Anne, uh, I mean, she died at 83, which is a really good innings, to be fair. I like to be celebrated, yes. Right. Mm. But the last three years of her life, she was battling motor neurone disease, which is just the cruelest disease where people that, you know, eventually they lose the ability to walk, talk, eat, swallow, breathe. You know, they're they're trapped inside their their bodies. Um, And I I suppose the thing for, for me with Anne was that, her husband had passed away uh, where how many years early? Was it was it eight five years earlier, I suppose, before her MND diagnosis? And she'd nursed him for a lot because he sort of had a series of strokes and then he was in a nursing home and there were daily visits. And once he passed away, um, you know, very sadly, mm-hmm. Anne thought with her group of girlfriends, right, we're gonna go on cruises. A lot of them were widows too, and they were in that same position of right. We don't, we don't have children. We don't have partners. It, we've downsized everything. Now is our time to explore the world and do what we wanted to do. And then her own health got her, you know, her eye, her eyesight went with glaucoma. That was troublesome. Then the MND diagnosis and she never got to do it. And I hear that story so often of women going like, you know what, we're going to travel when we retire. We're just waiting to do that. Uh, and it never happens because one of them, fall sick and dies. And so I think when, for Anne, who was just the kindest, most congenial giving person, volunteered here, donated her time there, you know, held held her faith, I just felt so frustrated for her. I felt so angry that she'd never been able to just say, no, no, I'm doing this for me. This is just for me. And Many of us can relate to that kind of people-pleasing, taking on everything for everyone else. And at 39, for me, this was was my like epiphany year. That was when Anne died. That was when Lise and I were working just like absolute fiends in radio. We had two radio jobs, a national early breakfast radio show, and then we had a Gold Coast breakfast radio show, and we're both based in Brisbane, so there was a lot of travel we both have um, husbands who have, you know, um, Lisa's husband is a fireman, so he's on shifts. Mine's a farmer, so he works away a lot. 
And it was just, it was just completely overwhelming. And I was so tired, so sleep deprived. And, and that was kind of my wake up call, I think, a few months after Anne died of going, none of this is working. None of this is working. And if I get to 80 and this has been the trajectory that I've just kept like hamster on a wheel, keep going, keep going, keep going, I'm going to be really peeved that I didn't say, well, hold up, there's some stuff that's got to give here. And I'm so glad I did. That meant quitting a job, a, a job that everyone else sees as like a, a pinnacle of um Oh, just stay career. in it for 20 years, you know? just Stay where Stay you are. It, you know, we turned down extension contracts. We turned down the money um, because it was it wasn't the life we wanted to be leading at that point in time with our kids the ages they were as well. So what's now? What's next? What are the two of you planning for the as you say the next forty years of your lives? <laughs> what do you really want out of this? It's really interesting because in we left our um, radio network in July this year and that was another very big decision. Um, and so we're basically independent now and running our own show and that comes with so much creative freedom but it also comes with a lot of a lot of stress and and worry and hustle. You know, we're back there. But I think we've recognised that when we're in that position, we just work so well in it. I mean, I, 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 wish, I wish it could be easier, but in a way it, our best ideas come out of those more challenging times, whereas when we were in a cushier mm. radio network job, which don't get me wrong, I miss getting regular paychecks, I'll be honest. But it's funny, when we were in those jobs, we weren't our best creative selves. Because <laughs> you become very complacent and I you're just waiting did. for everyone else around you to do the jobs that they need to do or, and I think or frustration that you can't, like that, that there's limitations on what a network can can do and what you can implement. And I, and I would hope that, you know, if that opportunity were to come back around to us, that we would treat it differently and maybe have evolved from that complacency. Oh, but you know, that. We weren't, it was more complacency in ourselves. In ourselves. In, in that ourselves. We had that job. So that means we stopped putting on our events. We mm. stopped doing the other side jobs that brought us a lot of joy as well. We thoroughly enjoyed Loved working it. together. We just we became in radio. We just became cozy, cozy and lazy. <laughs> that's the honest truth of it. No, and that's what I mean by evolution. I think it's it's important sometimes to look back and and realize, oh yeah, that was that was a part of that story where we could have done better or we would do differently now. I think that's. That's always good to be able to look back on. Mm. We've come, we've come a little way since then. But what's next? I think it's just more crazy ideas and more following our gut instincts. And um, I don't actually know what's next, which is quite exciting that to say exciting. when you're forty-two. Yeah. yeah. Well, we often say, you know, it's all in the timing. But sometimes it has nothing to do with timing. You've got to make your own decisions, don't you? Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's that's another thing that we realise the older we get, no one's coming to make change for you. No. That has to come from you. No one's going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, I'm going to change your life right here, right no. now. It doesn't happen. It doesn't it, happen. It's got to come from you. It's like you sort of, 
I don't know, set out to research what it's like to get old with, with the people that you've interviewed and the conversations that you've had. It's like you're sort of seeking this information. How can we do this better? What are we going to do when we get older? You know, what do we want our lives to look like? Or, or what does, you know, ageing look like to us? What does ageing well look like to you two? Mm. Since you've gathered all this wealth of information yeah, from around the country and the planet. We've gathered extraordinary intel from all kinds of women with very diverse stories and very diverse experiences of ageing. What does ageing look like to us? I think it's um, curating a very simple life that brings joy where you can. For me, it's about like simplicity. I seem to be funneling and filtering know, whether that be so in my basic now. so basic i'm so bloody dalai lama <laughs> no 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 like i'm an introvert no I no stay no at home but i am calm <laughs> i'm definitely not calm but i think it's i am purging left right and center i'm purging friends i'm purging jobs i'm purging wardrobe <laughs> i like i really Just enjoy want to be I just <laughs> you're like the declutterer of your I'm of your decluttering 40s. my life as I age and yeah. I think I'm really enjoying that process yeah I love yeah. that because we do hoard whether it be as you say friends jobs clothes uh furniture whatever it is hoarders your Tupperware hoarders it's time to purge yeah, yeah. I I love I, I always draw reference to this quote but it's it's one that I feel change the essence of who I was when I heard it and it's by Kemi Nekvapil who's an author and a coach and uh, we've interviewed her on 40 a couple of times she said so many women are beholden to being a good wife a good friend a good mother a good daughter a good employee a good sister whatever whereas for her she gets a lot of freedom from just being good enough and I think that was a real penny drop moment for me because maybe it's shedding the stories you've told yourself about yourself when you were younger about how you have to be perfect in this way or you have to make sure you do all the things the fact is nobody is perfect it's a pointless game trying it so let go of what you can whether that's ideas about yourself or actual like physical things in your life like if you need to get a cleanup because that's going to free up four hours on your weekend to actually spend quality time with your family or what have you do that. That's, that's okay. That's, that's good enough. You know, it only has to be good enough for you. It doesn't that's have it. to be good You're enough for decides. anybody else. Yes. 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 Yeah. I had this real freedom moment and it was probably 10 years ago. So mid thirties where I just went, actually, nobody else cares about what you're doing. And that's mm -hmm. fine. It's like everyone's so busy, whatever that magical quote is, everyone's so busy worrying about themselves that they're not worrying about you. But that to me, rather than thinking, oh, nobody cares, it was like nobody cares. The freedom that came with that was extraordinary yeah, for me. So do it because you love it. No one's looking at you, yeah. That's exactly right. Do it because you want to do it, not because mm. it's going to please somebody else. But that does come with wisdom or maturity yeah. or age. I'm not sure which comes first and for some people... It comes at different times. Um, and it's funny how you can flip. We were interviewing a wonderful um, Australian business owner and designer, Nikki Parkinson, and she was talking about how women panic at the thought of becoming invisible. You know, there's a lot of 
rhetoric around, oh, it's awful, you get to a certain age and there's this invisibility that happens, and that is a real thing. But she sort of flipped the script for us and said, hold on, it's amazing being invisible. (laughs) It's a superpower. Nobody's watching. Nobody, as you said, nobody cares what you're doing. Everybody's looking at the pretty young things or the, the, the shiny thing over here. And having that invisibility allows you to just follow what you actually want to bloody do. And that's another way that we can you know, in those moments of self-doubt or self-criticism, whether it's the, the way your body's changing as you, age, as you age or what have you, to remember all the good bits that are coming because of that. Yes. And I do encourage all those pretty young things to not care either because Absolutely. nobody's Wouldn't that watching. Wouldn't have changed so much, right? Like if you could yes. put... I know there's that saying, you can't put an old head on young shoulders. And I guess Mm. that's why we did create 40. And it is, you know, you've said, I think you said earlier about trying to age yourselves up and find out what happens when Mm. you get older. But it's true because we don't want to wait until we're Mm. 50 or 60 to have these revelations. If we can get them from women who are also in their 40s and beyond now, then what a gift. And the number of people we have who are in their early 30s, um, listening who well, we were surprised we're like really is this you find this relevant to you mm-hmm. and they say yes because it's hearing those things now so they can mm-hmm. make changes or be aware of what's happening in their lives well before perhaps it becomes an issue down the track mm. well you know it with teenage children I mean they're so much more mature than we ever were so why and we go oh they're now going through that at at, you know nine and ten rather than what we were at 13 and 14 15 so it would be the same that that women in their early 30s are probably feeling very much the same way that we're feeling now that's really true yeah it's everything's happening sooner and (laughs) you have teenagers right Shelley Tweenies. I've got a 12 yeah. and a 10, but they may as well be yeah. 22 and 20. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, good times, good times ahead. Yeah. Well, they're, they're laughing at me now because obviously the Ageing Project has given me, you know, a whole amazing amount of wealth but also curiosity about what's happening and, and the new habits and rituals that I'm developing and, of course, making sure my whole family falls, follows through on, you know, the new um, concoctions that everyone has to have when they wake up in the morning to tongue scraping, to meditation, to God knows what <laughs> oh, else. Gosh. I've yes. never had a habit or a ritual in my life. I have yeah. just been that just float along and see how it goes but now you know there's some real non-negotiables in there besides not wearing heels but um, (laughs) habits habits and rituals uh this is a sign of maturation and aging have you developed any cool habits or rituals that you now perform every day for your well-being no no I'll see this is you've still got three four years to go there we were mad we were really in the meditation zone at the beginning of the year for about three weeks and we were like this is changing our life my goodness getting up at five and just so much clarity setting our intentions for the day and then we just stopped like I reckon at the same time we just stopped going back to what you were saying Sarah about you just have to be good enough that's okay we don't have to be perfect at meditation so we've (laughs) dropped (laughs) off the perch for six months of it but we'll circle back we'll be back on our verandas at 5am I think it got cold I think it was the (laughs) I think think the the mornings there was no sunlight at 5am so we're like I'm not getting out and we kept on checking in with one another like how did your meditation go this morning nah didn't do it yeah me neither and that ended up being five days in a row and then it's like well we've stuffed it all right we're done we're done with this now it's over 
I feel like we give ourselves 28 days. Like Lise was determined to do the splits at one point. She was like, I'm going to stretch every day and by the end of this month I'm going to be able to do the splits. How she hard posted about it on social media for about mm, eight days. <laughs> Yeah, then, then I just need to let that one go and I just yeah. put that under the carpet. Nobody saw I that post. No. I think I publicly just said I'm too tall to do the splits. <laughs> <Yes>. Sorry. <laughs> Look, I, I know you've got a million other things to do. I could sit and chat to you all day, but I want your mic drop moment. What is the one thing that you are going to leave our audience with today? I'm just going to say if you hate camping as much as I do, start saying no and sending your family off without you. They're not going to die if you don't go on one camping trip. I, that is my new rule entering my 40s. I finally came clean to my husband and told him, I lied to you when we were dating. I'm not an outdoorsy person. I hate camping with you. I, there's nothing about it I like. This is the new me. You take the boys and make it this amazing sort of testosterone fueled nirvana go and do that and I'll be at home waiting and it's been a game changer good for you and when he said yep. you've changed go no I'm just a lot more honest than I was yeah that's right no he was actually really great he said righto yep okay and I said you're you're all better people when I don't go camping with you. So it's let's true. just leave it at that. So yeah. speak up, tell people what you're really feeling. <laughs> yeah. I would say um, don't waste a single second more loathing anything about your body. Not a single second. I think when we're younger, we can be so insecure and always narrowing our eyes at parts of our body that we don't like, whether it's like, oh, I've got thick ankles or I wish I had more of a waist or I wish, you know, I wish I had a thigh gap. If it hasn't happened by now, it's never going to happen. So just shake it off, get out there, enjoy your life. And while your body is healthy and functioning exactly the way it should, then that is something to be celebrated and not picked at. Ladies, I love you. Thank you so much for our chat today. I know that our audience and your audience, they're all going to be the one and we'll be there in that secret club of women over 40. Can't wait we to see it. you out there and about soon. I'm going to go and do the splits just to prove that I can. And if I'm still there. I don't there, want to hear about it, Shelley. If you can do it, don't DM me. I don't want to know. Honestly, well, you won't. This off air, but you shut up, Shelley. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be stuck there on the floor when my family comes home. They go, what are you doing? I go, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Oh, next year. <laughs> I'll only do it when someone's due home in five minutes, so I'll be safe. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Thank you so much for sharing, girls. So many fabulous takeaways from today's conversation. I loved the quote, deciding, not sliding into our next phase of life and the focus on evolution, on growth and embracing change. You are absolutely right. We're entitled to recalibrate our dreams at any point we like, and I really do think it's important that we do so. Don't forget to ask yourself the question that I asked Lise and Sarah, which was, what does ageing well mean to you? Everyone's definition is different, but knowing your own really matters. Thank you so much for listening and sharing the off-season with us. We have loved bringing you so many fabulous stories. A huge thank you to all of our wonderful guests for being so open and honest and brave. We've learned something from each of you.
For now, the Aging Project team is ready for a break. Uh, Don't forget to follow our socials to hear when season three will land. And of course, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, this is the Aging Project podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Craft. It's bye for now.